I'm Kevin Pepperly. I'm Dan Lilly from Semi-Automatic. You are listening to the Northwest Convergence Zone, where all things come together. Dude, where's the Float Tavern, man, in Gick Harbor? Coming to you from the heart of the Pacific Northwest, with mouths as big as the Columbia River, egos as tall as Mount Rainier, smooth as the drive from Vancouver, B.C. to Portland, Oregon, it's the Northwest Convergence Zone. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Northwest Convergence Zone Show. Big D here with you, and this is the big week, man. The big week is our last podcast before the big party on Saturday, our first anniversary listener party, and we'll get to all that de- those details in just a moment. Uh, big show today, interview with Kent Morell of the Fabulous Whalers. That was a... a Really a pleasure to go to that, uh, be a part of that. Also introducing a new band, uh, Semi-Automatic, today. But before we get into that, let's go around and introduce each other. I'm Big D, and this is my man, Big Joe. (laughs) What's happening, Convergence Owners? As always, greetings and salutations from the man cave in what will be the city of decibels next weekend (laughs) for the first annual Northwest Convergence Zone listener party. Be there. You are going to get your brains rocked out for sure. Absolutely. And then our man, Double D. How's it going, Double D? It's a pleasure to be here, and I want to say happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> that was supposed to remain nice. a secret. Uh, but, he's, uh, our, he's our very own Willard Scott. Yes, look at that. And I'm not 100. <laughs> uh, also, our guys Squeeze and Wonder Boy over there on the board. And I know you guys don't hear a lot from them, but you'll see them and hear from them at the big party. So uh, we had an opportunity the- to have... Um, Jeff Call from Stonegate, and also the guys from the Midnight Salvage Company and Beat Seed stopped by, talked a little bit about the party coming up and all the details and so forth, and here's how that went. All right, everybody, let's talk about the listener party that is coming up this Saturday. Can you believe that? Yeah. We've been talking about it. Countdown is on. We've been talking about it for a while, and now it's finally here. We're stoked. We're excited about it. Word on the street is it's going to be packed, and I hope that's true. It will be true. You think so? What oh, if no? What yes. if nobody shows up? It's not going to happen. Don't well, worry we'll just, about what it. What if? What if? Uh, There's uh, five of us. We pull five chairs up to the middle of the floor and just have a great time. That's, yeah, that's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's going to stop me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think people are going to be there. Tell your friends June 5th, our listener party at the Stone Gate, which is at 5419 South Tacoma Way. Great joint. Uh, owner Jeff Call is here with us. Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm really good. Thank All you. right. We, we were at the Stonegate last night, and you had yes. a little jazz thing going on. It was popping. Next week, we're going to rock the house. You ready? Oh, yeah. That was, last night was just a warm-up for the big party. <laughs> That's yeah. what I tell everybody, because it's true. So uh, we've been talking about this uh, special drink that we're going to have for the night called The Zone. Um, is that going to be uh, that's still going to be available? The Zone is on. <laughs> All right. Do we know what's in that yet? Rum. Yes, and more rum. Rum rum and more rum. Dash of Coke, maybe some lime. I don't know. We were speculating everything. Well, let's start some of that. Lots of of alcohol. We'll go from there. And uh, Okay, and we're hoping people, we're really hoping that folks show up and uh, have some food. Tell us a little bit about what's on the menu. I know you got stellar pizzas. Uh, I've had burgers there that are great. The nachos were killer. Um, Tell us about what else is on the menu. 
Well, I say rum because because <laughs> the downstairs, you know, it's like set up with two bars and a restaurant side. So uh, I say rum because I'm quoting uh, that we're a rum bar, but we have, of course, everything. Yes. Uh, I've had Jack and Coke there. Oh, yeah. We got it all. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny you asked what's on the menu because actually we just, in the Big Fun magazine, we just had this giant article came out of our giant uh, Stonegate Challenge burger. It's a four pounds of beef. Jeez. You know? And uh, so I'd like to see some people try to. Try I to want people to down. order that. Yeah, it's it's, it's is it crazy. Kind of, is it like Ferrell's where you like bring it out on a big stretcher, you know, <laughs> and then the, the bells and whistles go you know, off? It, it kind of is. I always parade that thing around because people are just amazed <laughs> of the size of that thing. And then they just look at the guy like, are you kidding? You're really going to try to chow that thing down within an hour? So do you have to flip that burger with like a snow shovel? How does yeah. that work? We use our big pizza, our big pizza <laughs> shovel for that. And it's funny. And uh, oh, that's great. It, it truly is amazing. Well, we want to thank you so much for allowing us to have this event at your place. Now, tell everybody where they can park and you know what they can expect when they get to the Stone Gate. First off, it's my privilege to be hosting this party. Uh, you guys are great and. Uh, what a good thing is going on around here in the Northwest and, and, and promoting all these great bands that are going to be there. And it's just a lot of fun. So I'm very privileged to be hosting this. We have parking in the back. Uh, there's lots of parking on the street. Um, the the South Tacoma end is really uh, looking good down there. And we're, we're sitting good for, for uh, lots of parking. But we hope we're going to be, uh, you know, parking down the streets because it's going to be packed. It yeah. is going to be packed. So get it's, there early. I just want to say it's easy to get to. And let me just give you a marker. If you go on I-5 in Tacoma, you take the 56th Street and you head west. Go down to South Tacoma Way and you hang a right. And it's about three buildings, third third or fourth building in on the right-hand side. Yeah, the big brick you see arches. The big brick arches says Stone Gate on it. And like you said, you can go around the corner and, go, and there's lots of parking in back. There's a alley entrance into the place. And... All the bands will be upstairs, but there's going to be stuff going on downstairs, too. It's a good, fun time. They have three big screens. One big screen is in the rum bar, right? That's right. And two of them are in the uh, the family restaurant side. Right. And we're going to have a uh, video hooked up and broadcasting what's going on upstairs. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you're at. Yeah, everybody's going to see it. You're going to hear it, right? That's right. And it's a great place. Jeff, thanks so much. We can't wait to be there. Uh, Yeah, definitely, Jeff. Thanks a lot. We're looking forward to it. And Jeff mentioned the bands. Let's talk about the bands. Got to talk about. Got to talk about the bands, man. Because and we have a big announcement. This uh, something just fell into our lap. Oh, Uh, we'll take that. Band national broadcast from Seattle, featuring the drummer Ben Smith. Now Ben Smith was the drummer for the Lovemongers. Uh, He's also been a drummer for uh, I believe Cindy Lauper and Phoebe Snow and lots of jazz greats over in New York. Currently the drummer for Heart. Wow. This is his side project, national broadcast, very good, and they are going to be there at the show. Right on. That so would be great. we just added those guys, the stars aligned. Just everything. when you didn't think it could get any better. Oh, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about, man. But the bands that, are, that we already have had lined up are stellar enough indeed, and they're the main reasons you should come on down because these are all local guys. We're proudly South Sound. We're proud Tacoma guys and the surrounding. We really pushed our, our area down here because we got a lot to offer. And two bands in particular, Midnight Salvage Company. We have Brian and Brayson here with us. And also Beast Seed. Rob Gall's here to represent them today. Fellas, welcome in. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, yeah. All right, well, let's talk to Midnight Salvage Company first because you guys are going to set the tone for the party. 
You guys are our leadoff hitters, and uh, you guys are the ones with the high percentage. And uh, a great, great sound. We really appreciate you guys being on the show. You guys are going to be hitting the stage probably around, uh, I would say, 820 or so and anchoring this thing. You guys ready? Yeah. A lot of pressure. Ah, I think we're ready. <laughs> All right. We're going to play it fast, play it loud. <laughs> <laughs> great. And um, we were talking about, too, uh, there's a chance that you, when you guys are done upstairs, for those who, uh, who are all downstairs, because it'll be packed down there, too, there's a chance you guys might move downstairs. Is that a possibility? I, I think so. I think it's a good possibility. Even last night we were playing kind of after we went to the Stone Gate and squeezing songs, so we are like, this is actually kind of a relief. We might... It, It'll be a cool thing for us. Very good, very good. Well, uh, we, well, I'm sorry. I was going to say, as far as your uh, set list, you got anything in mind, or are you just going to let it come? Any to surprises? You as things happen that night. I'd say it's it's pretty set right now, at least the order. But uh, there'll be some surprises. I think we're gonna we're gonna break out a cover tune. We we don't play a lot of covers, so. I think it'll be a fun one. Great. Oh, excellent, man. We're excited about that. Uh, all right, and then Beat Seed. There are. Uh, Top of the top of the lineup, the uh, sort of the anchor, the the, the guys that are going to take us out, and uh, we have Rob Gall here with us. Rob, how you doing, buddy? Oh, good. And uh, what do you guys have planned? I know <laughs> we were talking earlier. I know you've got some surprises. You got a couple of guest uh, performers that are going to be up there with you, and uh, you know what's happening with the Beat Seed Camp. Yeah, we're going to be uh, featuring some uh, local hip hop artists from uh, well the area that have been uh, working with us for a while. And uh, we got some new material coming out for our new album. Perfect. We're going to be performing, and uh, they're going to be throwing down some uh, badass lyrics on the <laughs> on the tunes there for us, and and we're going to be videoing for uh, a new upcoming single. Oh, so. check cool. that out! Uh, so uh, I will say this: uh, Beat Seed is going on late, right? I mean, like after midnight. They're kind of like our after party uh, celebration, and. You will want to be there for that because we, as the Northwest Convergence Zone, have some surprises in store for when they are playing because that's like our after party. We're going to just throw out all the shenanigans and the riffraff and the stops and everything, and we're going crazy. Yes. Uh, it's, this, this evening is going to progress to a point where, Jeff, I don't know if your building will be standing <laughs> when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> that's the goal anyway. So, uh, again... The uh, girl and I will be heading to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> it took two and a half years to build that thing. If it, if it comes down tonight, you know, well, right. All right. We do. We have lots of giveaways. We have uh, CDs. We have T-shirts. We have uh, gift certificates. We have iTunes cards. A lot of stuff we're going to be giving away. We have uh, these laminates that we... 200 laminates that we're giving away. Every All of this is free. Now, these laminates that we're giving away, uh, everyone... With the first 200 will get one. And you'll want to hang on to them because what they're going to do for you is in the future when we put on a show and we've got shows lined up and we're going to be announcing our next show uh, in, during the evening and uh, we have some stellar bands lined up for that, this laminate will get you half price into any event we put on in the future. Great. Yeah. So anyway, that's a pretty killer deal. And uh, we want to thank... Midnight Salvage Company and Beat Seed and Jeff, you guys for coming in. We're going to see you guys on Saturday. And later in the program, we got a live uh, song coming by the Midnight Salvage Company boys. We're excited about that. So we'll check back in with them later. Everybody, June 5th, that's this Saturday night. Starts at 8. Be there early. Stake out a position, a place, because it's going to be packed. 
and uh, we're going to do the best we can to move people around and make sure everybody gets upstairs at some point. Uh, if you can't make it upstairs, like I said, we have uh, three screens. We'll be showing it. Jeff, get the liquor cabinets full, brother. <laughs> That's we're right. Gonna, yeah. Full. <laughs> and if you have any problems, talk to Double D. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We want to thank those guys for stopping in. And at the end of our show, the Midnight Salvage Company guys actually did a, a song in here. It was great. It's great. And we're going to play that at the end. So we'll check back in with them at that time. Uh, everybody, tell your friends. Come on out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We got a lot of... Uh, surprises in store and we <laughs> we have a big guest coming on the program on that night it we a have guest. had lots of guests a superstar we've had lots of guests on our program stellar guests and some big names you know but we wanted to find somebody who hasn't been here in a long time who a lot of people know who, who this guest is and we're going to keep it under wraps though it's going to be a lot of fun man that's gonna be a good party yes a triumphant it, homecoming yeah he's a he's a big guest. he's a if superstar you, if you've been around here you've known about it oh absolutely man all right well our first guest today is a great bunch of guys am i correct in saying that oh yeah absolutely we had a lot of fun, lot with, of these fun guys with these guys coming into the studio uh, we're lucky we got the interview done <laughs> <laughs> semi-automatic great heavy band brand new to the scene and uh, they have a show coming up uh, we talk about it in the interview and that sounded a little bit like this all right everybody want to welcome in our first guest on the big program today our big countdown to the big party uh i wish we had these guys on if i had known yes. about them a little earlier i would have invited them but uh, <laughs> semi-automatic joins us in the studio today dan lily and kevin thanks. how you guys doing doing Excellent. great hey thanks for coming in we really really appreciate it and uh local boys once again always tacoma guys we got we have stellar bands just down here in the south sound region you name it it's happening uh these guys are heavy though this is metal and it's funny i got an email not too long ago from this guy who uh listens to our show and he wrote and he said do you guys ever do metal man I'm like this should answer it <laughs> yeah. right i hope so <laughs> if we ain't metal we just need to quit yeah we're there. it's All kind right. of kind of a metal in a parentheses though because it's uh we're not Megadeth. No. But a uh, lot slower. Lots slower. Untalented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little about uh, about the evolution of Semi-Automatic, your fairly new band. Uh, we have you have a show coming up Friday, June 11th at Hell's Kitchen. It's quite a lineup. There's uh, uh, Stone Axe, Sasquatch, House of Broken Promises, Semi-Automatic on the bill. How did you guys come together as a band? Well, um I guess every time I've picked up a guitar, heavy music comes out. I've tried to uh, tried to write punk rock music, and it just doesn't work, you know. Uh, the The rhythm section, who isn't here, um, Jeff Moore, Mike Steffen. Very heavy hitters, by the way. Very heavy hitters. Very heavy hitters. I played uh, I played in a couple bands with them, uh, Adam Twelve, and uh, Industry Standard, and uh, we were working on it for a while. Back in the day, back in 95, 96, uh, trying to come across that sound. And, and uh, I stepped away for a little while and ended up playing with uh, J Justin and Ty from Jet City Fix uh, in a band called Fused. And we kind of turned the page on on making something heavy, you know, and, and uh, figuring out how to do that. And then when we got back together with these guys, it just fell into place. 
Um, it was a big accident, actually. <laughs> really, it was a huge accident that just turned out to be something extremely cool. You know, especially for us. You know, where it's it's at a point now where it's you know we don't care about any of the hoopla or whatever. It's just about playing something extremely loud. Well, we've been talking about it. Let's hear a little bit of it. This is a title uh, track called Black Widow, our guest today, Semi-Automatic. Name of the song, Black Widow, our guest today, Semi-Automatic. Very nice. Uh, Kevin, Dan, I wanted to ask you guys, as you've been getting going and uh, getting gigs, do you ever run into any kind of metal prejudice where uh, uh, you're trying to set something up and uh, maybe they have the preconceived notions about metal and say, hell no, we're not bringing that in. <laughs> you, well, know, I don't, you know, I think for us, I'll play anywhere. I'll play at church. You know, I mean, if they let us in there, I'll do it. It doesn't really matter to me if they... You know, especially at at this point, I don't. It's more about what what we're having fun, and if there's people having fun with us, that's the most important thing. If they're not, then they can go find something else to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dan, we kind of took a different approach this time, and uh, and we actually hired Flash um, from Hell's Kitchen is actually our booking agent, and so uh, we're just hoping to to get in the right places with the right bands this 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 time through and and that's kind of the goal yeah definitely to be you know be where we're supposed to be you know i you know i think we're we know enough people and we've been around for long enough we know exactly what we're supposed to do where we're supposed to do it and you know we have the connections to actually make it you know happen to where you know we're gonna play those places where people are gonna have fun doing what we're doing it's just gonna be a good time and that's what it all really comes down well you guys mentioned flash and hell's kitchen and you guys you have a gig coming up on friday june 11th tell us a little bit about that the the different bands that are going to be there and this is kind of a coming out party for you guys yeah i mean we're gonna have our cd our shirts you know are gonna be done you know we're, we're gonna be able to go out and represent and and the bands that we're playing with, I mean, these are, you know, top quality bands. I mean, these guys have been around and, you know, they're touring bands. They know what's going on. And it's just going to be an extremely, extremely great night for music. Stone Axe, Sasquatch, House of Broken Promises, Semi-Automatic, Friday, June 11th, Hell's Kitchen. Now, uh, the name of your CD is a great name, man. Thank you. Growing Weed for the Apocalypse, because as we all know, when uh, 2012 hits, there'll be no cash. We'll right. all be gone. The only the only sort of uh, you know barter and trade will be weed, right? And, it, uh, yeah. Yeah. and people and will have to be running things through semi-automatic. That's yeah. right. And, and there'll be no, uh, you know, it's the apocalypse. There'll be no more drug testing. Yeah, exactly. So what the hell? <laughs> we are the government. <laughs> all right, let's listen to another track off of this great CD, Growing Weed for the Apocalypse. This is titled Condemned.
All right, name of the song, Condemned, our band today, Semi-Automatic, and the CD is Growing Weed for the Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, I'm liking that a lot. Thanks. Uh, both uh, Dan and Kevin, uh, and, and uh, Dan, you just said a little while ago that uh, you tried a little punk rock in your musical progression, um, but you've always gone back to the heavy. So uh, for both of you, uh, as you've been coming up and listening to music and the people you like, who have been your uh, metal influences? Uh, well, it's a long, long list. One of my favorite bands actually is Filter, and uh, I wouldn't classify them as metal, but they've always bring the heaviness to the table. But uh, as well as Pantera, uh, gosh, I even I even like to listen to some old Godsmack. Like really, uh, really puts me in the right place too. Yeah, I'm a little bit more odd. I mean, obviously Pantera's gods i mean that's without saying that's a given um but i mean you know i mean floyd i mean that's heavy oh yeah and uh yeah, you know and then of course you know uh hank hank williams the third um what he's got going on all those guys you know through super joint and he's coming to the hell's kitchen soon got dick hank three yeah last show i dislocated yeah, a shoulder go got a show. black eye and bruised ribs man it was good times <laughs> But we were kind of trying. That's to, a perfect show, that's right? That's a there. perfect show. <laughs> we were trying to like figure out a battle wounds, a way to put a new new spin on like Black Sabbath, you know, where we can still be heavy and, and the heaviest uh, band on the planet. By the way, I mean, if it wasn't for Sabbath, there wouldn't be us or anybody right. else. That's right. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or even like you know the original Hank Williams. I mean, that's that's rock star. I mean mm-hmm. Johnny Cash. I mean, there's still. You know, a lot of venues where you can be really heavy, but it doesn't need to be tuned down to be or anything. It's the influence is just uh, the heaviness and the attitude, really. You know, and the freeness of doing, you know, giving the middle finger. It's like this is what I do, dig it or don't. Right, doesn't matter. So now, Dan, you're a bit of an entrepreneur too. You were talking a little bit about uh, a rehearsal studio over in University Place that you have uh, setting up called the Sanctuary. 25 to 30 rooms tell us a little bit about that because we have a lot of bands who actually listen to our podcast and uh what do you have to offer them over there well to start with uh i've been in rehearsal studios uh gosh for the last 14 years anyway probably been in somewhere you feel like you need a tetanus shot when you go to practice (laughs) definitely there's definitely that that it was called the cave i believe (laughs) the cave and plastic car and those those Uh, different places and good times and uh yeah, all great times, and it was a place to play. But uh, you know, bottom line was, every time I dropped off the check, I was like, I'm in the wrong damn business, you know. And I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I fell into an opportunity down in University Place where uh, where I could start something up, and and that place is going to be open and running this well in June. I wanted to say this month. We're not quite in June. Um, I have a date set in my head for July 1st, but it'll be up and running in June. Uh, it's called the Sanctuary Studios, and uh, you know there's a Facebook page out there, and if if somebody's interested, they can they so can are they different size of rooms? There's uh, a variety yes. of different size rooms. Well, how do they for, get a hold of you then? Off of Facebook or you want off to... of Facebook? There's a email that's actually the Sanctuary Studios at hotmail.com. Email me. I check those daily, and I will get back a hold of you, and and you can come look at a room. Reasonable prices. Very reasonable prices, yes. Great. All right, well, hey, let's listen to another track off of Growing Weed for the Apocalypse. Our guest today, Semi-Automatic. This is called Fallen.
All right, name of the track is Fallen off of the CD Growing Weed for the Apocalypse. Our guest, Semi-Automatic. That's some great guitar work, and there a lot of crunching stuff going on. Uh, a lot of people, you know, are ambivalent about metal, you know, the non-quote metal crowd or sure. whatever. But it's stellar musicianship in metal, and uh, tell us a little bit about your... You guys have said you've played in lots of bands and stuff. Right. Uh, tell us a little bit about your progression as musicians, and what are you guys playing? What kind of instruments you playing? Well, as as far as myself, I'm um, actually a, probably about a 26 year veteran on the guitar. Um, I went back to school probably about three years ago, studying jazz, you know, country, bluegrass, um, you know, all of the above. I'm I'm still I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm I'm trying to make a career regardless if it's rock, or whatever. I play the guitar. That's all I have to offer. Yeah, and uh, that's know. what I find amazing is that I listen to that, and you can tell the technical prowess is very good and so you know the fact that you broaden your horizon and you study lots of different styles it actually comes through even in even in like a hard heavy you know setting like that it's it's an it's definitely you know open for interpretation you know just because you know um music's music i mean any way you look at it my dad played jazz you know he was a jazz musician um you know and and it's just it's uh, the music is just it's wonderful man there's nothing that's ever let me down is music has never ever let us down yep and these and these cds are are it was one take shots man we all did these things in one take i mean it was very lucky and dan um i guess since the moment i picked up a guitar uh my older brother uh had the musical gene too and my mom played piano and stuff but uh my brother is a, a singer guitar player songwriter and uh as well as myself, you know, as as soon as I could make some chords, I was singing to them. And so that's really always been in my blood. And I've been mostly in bands that I was fronting the band and, and playing rhythm guitar. I'd never, uh, I never had interest in like, I'd love to be able to play leads like Kevin, don't get me wrong. But uh, it was always more about um, playing as much as I could play and sing at the same time so <laughs> well there's room for everybody in a band that's yeah. why it's called a band yeah and and this band is very um it, it's it's cool because there's you know we don't it, there's no no it's like okay you got an idea we'll try it you know mm-hmm. you don't there's just no straight off it's like you try it and then decide you know uh dan are you primarily on vocals or are you guys sharing the vocals i'm doing all the vocals right now and and we're working on some uh some backup tracks with uh, with Kevin and and Jeff, the bass player, um, but we haven't we haven't fully put that into the mix yet. Uh, as far as the CD goes and and what you heard, that's me doing backups for myself and and kind of layering out the vocals. But yeah, it sounds really. I, I'm really liking it because it's it's definitely the heaviness. It's like you know smacking you in the face, but I can understand what you're saying while you're smacking me in the face, and I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. important. Um, it really is. June 11th at the Hell's Kitchen, semi-automatic. We'll be playing. That's a Friday. Uh, lest you think these guys and all metalheads kind of get put into a corner as uh, being like rebel rousers and uh, hellraisers stuff. These guys have a heart. Dan Lilly actually is uh, what co-founder with uh, Ben Fuller uh-huh. for Music Giving Back. Tell us a little bit about your involvement in Music Giving Back, and it's also something that we're going to try to do some cross promotions and, and events with. Well, 
I guess I could start by saying before there was a band, China Davis, there was a band called Peanut Butter Backpack. <laughs> I was told to ask you about that last night by Ben. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was kind of a fun name. and I, I, uh, You beat me to I, the punch, brother. I may have smoked, I may have smoked some weed and, and went into a dream. And By the time I woke up, there was a picture of a... A jar of peanut butter with backpack straps on it, <laughs> yeah. but it was uh, it was myself and and Ted, the guitar player from China Davis, and Ben, and and uh, another gentleman, uh, uh, Danny Curry, who played drums for them for quite a while, and uh, we jammed quite a bit. Um, that was that was the first uh, band session I was in. You know, it was with those guys, and and we just write music and. Uh, it was mostly like Tom Petty kind of stuff and uh, just folk electric and, and having a lot of fun with it. And uh, um, I don't know, I, my heaviness was kind of coming out into the band and I was struggling to try and figure out a, a place. And, and we kind of went separate ways, but, but Ben and I have always stayed pretty close and always have, have uh, almost seen it a little bit more like a competition, you know. We played a, <laughs> played a lot of shows together and... You know, I've been in a lot of bands over the years, and it's it's always been like, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing this, and trying to one up each other, and it's it's been a good a uh, good competitive competitive relationship between him and I. But you did come together and form this music giving back. We did, and uh, it started uh, with the show for the the Fallen Four in Lakewood, and and uh, you know, I kind of called him out. He called me to ask me. I don't remember what it was for exactly, but he called me to ask me about the show, and I was like, "How dare you not ask me? Get involved!" And I started, <laughs> uh, I started cussing him out, and and uh, then we came to terms, and and uh, we put on a great show. We raised uh, about six thousand dollars that night. Great, and, yeah, and we, we put missed, it together in like a week. Yeah, you know? we missed that one. The first one we went to with the music giving back was uh, the Haitian Relief down at the Swiss. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you guys have done several since then, and it's something that we admire. It's a, it's a, it's been sort of a South Sound uh, um, collaboration with you mm -hmm. guys. And I know Ben's a Seattle guy, but he comes down for that. You guys collect food, you collect money, and um, all kind of benefits and so forth. So uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's not Labor Day weekend, but uh, yeah. you got any idea? Because uh, you know Jerry Jerry Lewis, not Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lewis <laughs> does his Lady. thing. On, right. He does his thing on Labor Day, and he's got the tote board. What's your tote board so far since you've been doing uh, musicians giving back, not only in cash but in the weight of food that you guys have collected? Oh, I know they had a huge trailer down there at the Swiss. We we pretty much filled that trailer, yeah. and we uh, we turned over somewhere in the vicinity of three thousand dollars in cash um off of three shows you know uh, we tried to do a, a formal dinner kind of thing and we're going to do it next year again but uh it was a little bit out of our element so we kind of learned a lot off of doing the first one uh, i think it'll be a much bigger success next year we kind of broke even on that thing and and the idea is to actually make make some money and and turn it over um but everything we've been doing has been going pretty well and and uh the whole the whole idea and the whole basis of it is is to basically supply a facility for all these bands and all these different musicians out there that want to give back and want to be involved. You know? See, that's what I'm talking about. Metal guys avenue. with a heart. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, our guest today has been semi-automatic. The name of their CD or EP is "Growing Weed for the Apocalypse," which I love that title. Where can people pick that up? At your shows? 
As of uh, right now, yes. As of right now, it's going to be at the shows, and uh, we're going to have them just freshly inked uh, at that June 11th show. Yeah, All right. Very freshly. And we'll have a link to your uh, MySpace page off of our uh, homepage. People mm-hmm. can go check you guys out there. Everybody get down to the Hell's Kitchen Friday, June 11th. It'll be a good follow-up from our event on the 5th. Yeah. So uh, everybody go down and do some headbanging and uh, check these guys out. Semi-automatic. Dan, Kevin, thank you guys for coming in so much. We really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you for having This us. is awesome. Thank Very you. awesome. All right, man. We want to thank Kevin and Dan for coming in. <laughs> and uh, they might still be here. Yep. <laughs> Those guys, uh, we had a good time with them, and they are a lot of fun and good good band so everybody yeah, yeah the music is good uh in the metal genre and uh they are bringing it and uh they're they're gonna be uh doing some things around here i think for sure they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with i believe all right hey let's go to some birthdays now with birthdays of the living here's a northwest convergence zone's own prince of the pinata big d uh i know what you're thinking did he fire six shots or only five well to tell you the truth in all this excitement i've kind of lost track myself being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? All right, this week in uh, birthdays, of course, that is the classic. The man. He is the man. He is the man. Uh, Clint Eastwood, he was born on May 31st in 1930. So Clint's getting up there, and uh, I feel lucky this week. Yes. Yeah, and I'm no punk. That's I, right. that's one dude I wouldn't want to and, mess with. Hey, though. and a true Renaissance man. Absolutely great jazz pianist. Don't underestimate the Clint. Got to see ja- uh, Clint play some jazz down in Monterey one time. Uh, it was amazing. The guy's just an all around great guy. Also, uh, birthdays of the living this week. Broadway Joe Joe Namath. <laughs> my, I'd my like to idol. kiss you. My idol. <laughs> May 31st as well, and then June 2nd, we have to give props to Jerry Mathers, the Beave, man. And, you know, Leave it to Beaver uh, ran from 1957 to 1963. I know. I, I It surprised me. I didn't think it ran that long. I didn't either, but, years. yeah, a long time, and uh, don't be hard on the Beaver. <laughs> now, with birthdays from beyond, here's a Northwest Convergence Zone's answer to Art Bell, Big Joe. Yeah, we're having too much fun. Today. <laughs> well, I was gonna say something about Ward, and Mrs. Cleaver, but we'll let that go. But you gotta say something about this man. This song oh, tragically, yeah, went too soon. Uh, unfortunately, due to alcohol abuse, uh, died in his sleep after doing probably 20 shots of vodka. But one of the greatest rock and roll drummers in rock history, in my opinion, the legendary John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Uh, John Bonham, born May 31st, 1948, would have been uh, 61 years old. And, uh, you know, that that ended Zeppelin right there. But, yeah, went way too young. His son's a killer drummer, though. Uh, Yeah, he's filled in for him, too. Yeah, Yeah, and playing for Foreigner also. Okay, also, May 30th, 1908. Uh, a gentleman named Mel Blank, uh, and uh, he would be 101 years old. Uh, Mel Blank, he began his career. <laughs> he, he, he's a Northwesterner. He began yep. his career in Portland, Oregon on That's KGW right. as Hoots the Owl. And uh, on his tombstone in Hollywood, uh, in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, can you guess, Double D, what's inscribed on his tombstone? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> Mel Blank? 
God. What's the matter with you, boy? <laughs> There's a lot of matter with me. Mel, do, you know, do you know who he is? No. You don't know who Mel Blank is? Tell him no. who he is, Daryl. Hey, Waskly Wabbit. <laughs> I'm hunting wabbits. Yeah. Oh, he was the voice behind Bugs Bunny yeah, and Elmer no Fudd. And I have no idea who did that. It's <laughs> Mel Blank. Mel Blank. The master of all voices. Well, anyhow, what's inscribed on his uh, tombstone, which I thought was kind of poignant, is that's all, folks. That's all, okay. folks. Deep, deep, deep. That's all, folks. And last but not least, on June 1st, 1926, sharing a birthday with uh, the Big D. Yeah. Uh, one of the all-time film greats uh, and sex symbols of our time, Marilyn Monroe, would have been 84 years old. Um, she was on the cover of the first Playboy and uh my how much that thing's worth yeah they say uh probably about five grand most more than i'm gonna pay (laughs) most of them are going for about five grand uh my two favorites uh some like it hot and the seven year itch with the iconic uh her skirt blowing up over Mm -hmm. the uh subway uh heat escape register and the last thing i have to say is hefner in 92 which i thought was pretty cool he bought the uh, crypt right next to hers and that's where he intends to be buried and I'll be on the other side. <laughs> there you go, Daryl. So that is hey, birthdays. Hey, I share birthdays with her, Birthdays man, from beyond on. for this week. All right. Thanks, Big Joe. All right. Hey, we uh, we were really privileged this week to visit a legend in Northwest rock and roll music. This uh, individual, Kent Morell, was one of the founding members and uh, driving creative force behind the Fabulous Whalers, who are still going 50 years later. And uh, we got to go to his house. He's been really ill and dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, physical problems and so forth. But he took time out to chat with us. We feel very privileged. And uh, we want to thank him so much. And here's how that went. All right, everybody. I want to uh, welcome you into what I feel is a tremendous opportunity for us here on the Northwest Convergence Zone. We're interviewing Kent Morell founding one of the founding members of the legendary fabulous whalers uh legends of tacoma legends of rock and roll music and uh godfathers of what we now know as garage rock or punk rock or whatever you want to give it a name as now kent thank you so much for having us in well thank you for coming it's my pleasure well it's uh, our pleasure to be here and uh before we get into uh a lot of the whalers history and your plans and everything let's get to the question that's on everybody's mind how are you feeling how are you doing these days uh about 38 (laughs) percent no (laughs) no i'm okay i'm it's been a long haul i uh, certainly has had a major operation and uh it's sort of zapped well they tell they tell me now that for every day that you're laying in a hospital it takes three days to get your energy back. And I was in the hospital for two and a half months. So hmm. so it's coming back. I hmm. sang, actually sang last night. Did you? Uh, yeah, at the, uh, with Neil Rush Band out at uh, the Highliner. Oh, great. That great. just about killed me, but I did it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's I know there's great. a lot of people rooting for you and well-wishers and people praying for you and hoping that you, you uh, keep going on the mend. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of prayers, a lot of good thoughts have gone your way. When we had Buck Gornsby on, uh, we talked about it a little bit, and we got a lot of response from people who were surprised to hear about that you had had some failing health, and um, a lot of people wondered, you know, how's he doing? And so 
Uh, official word is you're at about 38, 40%, but you're on the mend and you're coming back. Yeah. Great, great. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the early days, the beginning of Northwest Rock and Roll and Garage Rock and um, the Fabulous Whalers. Let's go back to, was it the early to mid-50s? When did you actually, guys, when did you actually meet and decide, let's be the Fabulous Whalers? It was, I believe it was towards the end of 58. Mm-hmm. Um, we all we all met out at a place, uh, McCord Air Force Base. They used to have the jam sessions out there, and Rich Daniel, who became our guitar player, right. who was a, a Air Force brat, and he lived out there. And then John Greek, they they went to school together at the Clover Park, so they started having these jam sessions. And some kid, I was I went to Bellarmine High School, and they uh, one of my buddies said, "Hey, you got to go out there and." Uh, uh, check it out. So I did. I went out there, and I had uh, written a song uh, before that. It's called "Dirty Robber," and I went out and played "Dirty Robber," and I, I got in the band, <laughs> just like that. They recognized talent when they saw it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, 1958, you guys join, and then um, it's not easy going back then. There's no, there's no internet. There's no texting, cell phones, all these things. You guys are practicing. How did you get gigs? How did you find places to play? Did you have to kind of invent that? Yeah, we had to. We had to pretty much invent our own gigs. The the town fathers of Tacoma, they wouldn't let us play in Tacoma because they said we were playing the devil's music. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so we we would go out to these lakes, um, Clear Lake and five mile lake and uh, and they have most of them have a little i don't know what you call it like a pavilion right and we would rent those things and we'd go uh make posters and nail them on the uh telephone posts telephone posts and around and pretty next thing we know the word got around and we had pretty good little little crowds out there and that's that's we created our own gigs basically yeah were you making any money at the time, or you guys were just happy to be oh, playing? Oh, at least $5 a piece a night. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, more than we make. And that got spent on beer. So that was... <laughs> All right. Uh, so then as you uh, uh, come together as the Whalers and things are starting to happen, what was the first uh, break, the first uh, flirtation with success? Well, we, we, we created quite a storm. We went out here to Midland Hall. A uh, guy named Papa Vera used to throw country dances out there, and he decided to hire us every Friday night and broadcast on a local radio station. So the next thing we know, everybody in town that was cruising around wound up out there. They have a limit on that building of 250 people, and we used to put about 2,500 in there. <laughs> Holy <laughs> And That's where the dance came where everybody does this. <laughs> and... <laughs> So anyway, the <laughs> word started getting around, and um, somebody knew, one of our uh, band members' parents knew uh, Art Minio, and he was playing at the New Yorker or someplace like that, mm-hmm. and uh, Art was connected with New York, and so we went over there and talked to him and played some music for him, and he uh, he tried to get us on Epic Records, but uh, they weren't interested. 
but a friend of his knew this uh, Golden Crest, which is a small, small label. It was actually a children's label, and they uh, they loved it, and they flew out here and recorded us. And the next thing we know, we were on bandstand. Gee, yeah, yeah. What was that like back then? I understand you were on. Um, this was before my time, obviously, but Alan, the Alan Freed show. Yeah, we and were on, you were on American Bandstand. Yeah, and um, also uh, when Tall Cool One hit, that was in the top fifty. Yeah, uh, nationally, top, top thirty actually. Top thirty, mm-hmm. and how? What was that like? Uh, all of a sudden, two guys from Tacoma, who are used to playing out at the lake. To be honest with you, we didn't think about it. We thought, well, that's just the way it goes. You know, we were all kids, 15, 16 years old. So you all were still in high school. You still yeah. had to come back to school. We were still in high school, and we went to New York. We did a tour back east, and we went on the Dick Clark show when they were still in Philadelphia. And to be honest, we, we were, like I said, we were all teenagers. My mother went with us, and she lost about 10 years of her life. <laughs> but uh, we... Uh, and we we had an opportunity. We had made many opportunities over the years. In fact, there was a company called GAC, which was the biggest management company in the world at the time. They wanted us to move to New York and and manage us. And we went, nah, I'm going home. We're tired. We miss <laughs> our girlfriends. <laughs> that- so we didn't get it. You know? Right? Yeah. Well, some you know when you're kids, you sometimes you don't even you you can't see the the bigger picture or, or no. you know, know what's going on. Uh, let me ask you about uh, some people have credited you, and I think rightly so, with this progression: the one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three progression. Does that mean anything to you? Well, it sounds like Louis Louie. It <laughs> is Louis Louie. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um... Quite, we, it took us 40 years to figure out what happened with Louie Louie because uh, we're, we now lease some of our early products to the original label. Mm-hmm. And the man that was running it is no longer alive, but his daughter runs it. And uh, when we decided to go home and not live for them, they pretty much dropped us as far as promoting and anything. And so we were sitting here wondering, they're not talking about any more recordings or anything. And so we said, well, we'll start our own label. And uh, most of the guys in the band said, we can't do that. Bands can't have their own label. And Buck and I and Rock and Robin said, well, we think we can, and we're going to do it. If you don't want to do it, fine. So that's where Etiquette Records came about. Mm. Our first release on Etiquette was a song called Louie Louie. Mm-hmm. And it uh, just... Uh, took off like crazy went number one and uh, we leased it to liberty records well like i said 40 years later we we found out that liberty records had all their records manufactured by shelley products which was owned by golden crest and so they simply called them up and said if you promote these guys we won't press your records really so we kept calling them say what's going on you know uh, I remember Robin called him one time and said, I don't care if a frog sings this song. This is a hit song. <laughs> and as it turned out, it kind of was that way. That's but right. uh, uh, So then the Kingsman made a, a copy of ours for a demo, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Jerry Denon got a hold of it, and it 
the rest is history. You know, sold, I don't know, 15 million copies or something. And a staple for every frat house in the United States. Oh, it's the most recorded record in in the history of music. Right. And yeah. I think in a lot of the publications, Rolling Stone, uh, even probably in Billboard, when they have the greatest rock and roll songs in history, it's always, I'm going to say for sure, in the top ten and probably mostly in the top five yeah, right. as one of the greatest rock and roll records ever. So it took us, like I said, 40 years when they finally told us, his his daughter finally told us what happened. And uh, so we're not bitter. I mean, we the, friend, uh, the Kingsmen are good friends of ours. And uh, we just feel good that we stirred up something that uh, turned out to be a big deal. A really big deal. Yeah. I, I want to go back, uh, Kent, to uh, when you were playing around here and as you progressed to some of the legendary venues that unfortunately are no longer around and uh if you could tell us a little bit about uh playing at the spanish castle which you've got a live uh uh album that's that's one of my favorites that i was just listening to on the uh way over and also perhaps uh when you played at the uh the evergreen ballroom kind of the pros and cons of playing at both those spots well the, the spanish castle if you've ever read um, Pat O'Day's book, was his invention, sort of. But uh, actually, we were out there before that. But uh, we we played a couple dances, and then Pat saw the saw the potential and took it over. But uh, man, that that was amazing dance hall. Used to be the big bands played there. It had one of those uh, bouncy floors. Right, and, right. And, <laughs> And, uh, oh, we put, I don't know how many thousands of people in that thing every time we played there. And a lot of other bands played there. And, of course, we anybody that came through town, uh, big stars, with the Pat O'Day KJR, we always backed them up. And so uh, that was a, an amazing uh, hall. I'm, just, I'm really disappointed that they didn't see the historic value of it and keep right. it. But... Uh, Somebody got killed out there crossing the freeway or the street, and that was the beginning of the end. They just shut it down. So. And the uh, Evergreen Ballroom? Evergreen Ballroom is where we learned our music. We were the only white guys out there. <laughs> we used to go out there, Rich and Buck and I and Robin, and stand right in front to watch B.B. Oh, King, uh, Fats Domino, Little Richard, all those guys, Little Willie John. Mm-hmm. And uh, we picked up on all of their, their annex, their, their steps, their movements. And all the kids in town thought that was our own original concept. <laughs> but we were just imitating the old black groups that came through town. Mm-hmm. They had to go to the Evergreen Ballroom because, again, they weren't allowed to play in town. Yes. Hmm. Uh, I want to uh, just ask you, you said uh, when you were playing out at uh, Spanish Castle that uh, you know a lot of different bands would come through and you guys would back them up or open for them or so forth. Uh, can you give us your favorite band or your favorite artists that you shared the stage with during that time? Rolling Stones. <laughs> but that wasn't at the castle. That was at the arena or wherever that thing was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because they were the biggest band we ever worked with. But uh, we we had some lot of fun times. Uh, 
what's his name? Tony Orlando came out one time. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to back him. And Tony <laughs> was strictly East Coast Scooby-Doo singer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes up on stage, and he had a song at the time called Sincerely, the old Sincerely, you know. Yes. And uh, so Dangle says, okay, man, let's, uh, what key? And he goes, what do you mean, what key? <laughs> I sing, you play. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts out, sin, no, mm, sin, mm-mm, sin. <laughs> Dangle's going all over his guitar. <laughs> anyway, we had we had quite a few of those type of groups, Jan and Dean and mm. Beach Boys and all those groups that came out there. And uh, Dick and Dee Dee was one of the worst. Uh, Dick is... Uh, at the time, anyway, I'm sure he's changed. Was a a big uh, egomaniac, and uh, he, they came with no charts or no nothing, and just expected us to play their songs, you know. And so one night, the last we did a tour with them, and one night at the Parker's Ballroom, we uh, we were performing, and just before they were going to say good night, they said, you know. We've been working with the Whalers here for about a week now. They still don't know our material. <laughs> Gee, thanks for nothing. <laughs> I never forgot that because Rich turned around and looked at Mike Burke. And they looked at each other. And the next song was supposed to be What I Say Real Fat. And, you know, they started playing it as a waltz. <laughs> and they're going, tell me what. Didn't I say, you know? And, and oh, and before he said that, he said, "But let's hear it for the Whalers. Aren't they great?" You know, real sarcastic. So when they when we destroyed them, mm-hmm. I got on the mic and said, "Let's hear it for Dick and Dee Dee. Aren't they great?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little tit yeah, for tat there. That's good. Uh, well, let's talk about Gail Harris, uh, vocalist. You guys uh, have had. Um, True, she was 13 when she first yeah. started with Whalers. How, how did how did that happen? Uh, to be honest, I don't remember how it happened, how we got in touch with Gail, but I think her parents brought her out one night or she sat in or something. But she was a killer. I mean, she was Etta James at 13, uh, and she still is, by the way. Mm-hmm. When we put this show I was telling you about earlier together, it's going to include Gail again. But uh, she is one of the unique voices of all times, I think. And she turned down a lot of big opportunities to stay with the Whalers. Buck Owens wanted her to join his group and uh, a couple others. And uh, But, you know, that's, that's history. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Gail was something else. She not only could sing like, Etta James at 13, but she looked like uh, Tina Turner at thir- mm-hmm. 21. <laughs> <laughs> she Careful <had> now. <laughs> and uh, how about uh, Rockin', uh, Rockin' Roberts? Rockin' Robin. Buck probably told you a little bit about Bu- uh, Robin. Cause that's, he and Little just, Bill told us a little bit, yeah. As they said, they, they discovered him at the Puyallup Fair mm-hmm. up on a on a bench singing a cappello. He was uh, an amazing singer. Had so much energy he couldn't he couldn't sit still for an, an instant. I used to watch him when he would get ready. He'd be off stage, so, say stage left, 
and he'd be shaking and jumping and everything, <laughs> and then we'd announce him, and he'd come flying out there. Uh, he had more energy and uh, just a great, great voice. Of course, he's the one that sang Louie Louie. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah, we liked Robin, unfortunately, as you know, he he died too way too early. You know, way too early. Car wreck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was happy to see that uh, off of one of the links on your website that in 99 that they uh, got the new uh, marker for at the cemetery forum with the 45 of oh, yeah. Louie Louie. That is really nice. I was really glad to see that. Uh, and you made a reference to it. Let's talk about this new concept for the Whalers. The, the history of Northwest Rock and Roll. The fabulous whalers. Tell us what that's going to incorporate, encompass. What can we expect from that? Well, we we have a lot of plans. Buck is uh, usually the mastermind behind most of this stuff. But um, when he went to Europe with the Sonics, he started getting a lot of feedback from Europe about the whalers, and uh, he suddenly realized that if we put it all together, the history. It means something. If you're just going to take one year or one record, it doesn't mean as much, you know. So, anyway, we came up with this concept of sort of a, a live uh, demographic uh, history of the Whalers of Northwest Rock and Roll, and we finally admitted to ourselves that yes, we were the history of rock and roll. We started it and encouraged a lot of people to to do a lot of things. So anyway, we're going to have a show that starts out with our 59 music, the early instrumentals, and it'll just sort of evolve up to the, when, let's say, Gale comes up, and then a little bit later, the Marchands, and then the... uh, well, now we have extra horns and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. So we just take it right up to today's. And um, the, our latest album, uh, Rooster Rock. Rooster Rock, yes. Wonderful. I was telling you about the uh, Evergreen Ballroom. Well, that's kind of what that is, is that we took songs from our heroes mm-hmm. and did them. It's a great and, album, by the way, and everybody should have a copy. Yeah, we're we're real pleased with that. So we've we've been told that that's our finest album as far as quality mm-hmm. but uh, so we're going to uh, we think we've coined a new phrase for music called rooster rock it's <laughs> roots music with all the little gospel little history little country little everything and then we take the songs that influenced us and the singers and that's what that album is and uh, we're we even got ideas. Well, maybe we'll have a volume two or three or four or ten. I don't we know. We can only hope so. Yeah, that'll yeah be everybody sounds great on it. It's very good. Um, I want to go back to uh, playing at the Spanish Castle, and we've asked this question of Buck and Little Bill and even uh, Mr. Wilson with Adventures, but uh, was there ever a night when you were playing there that a skinny African-American kid named Jimmy uh, asked yeah. you to sit in or help you out? Yeah, Jimmy used to... We didn't know who Jimmy was, but uh, this African-American fellow used to come and um, tell Rich, our guitar player, he said, if anything goes wrong with your amp, I've got one in the car, but you got to let me sit in. 
Because <laughs> in those days, you could blow a tube or right. the whole thing could blow up or... Short out or whatever. Short out, whatever. And uh, we didn't think anything of it because we didn't know who he was, you know. But he always wanted to set in and... Uh, but Aunt, uh, Richard's amp never went out, so he never sat in. But we we learned later who he was, of course, Jimi Hendrix. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, just want to ask you about the um, the compilation you did with the Ventures, the two car garage, uh, celebrating the fifty years. Um, it's a great CD, and I know everybody can go to twocargarage.com. Uh, what were your What were your thoughts going into that? How were you approached for that? And um, well, you and actually, the Ventures are often seen together, and does that is that something that you appreciate or bothers yeah. you? Uh, actually, Don Wilson uh, suggested that to us a, oh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Said we ought to we ought to cut an album sometime, you know. And uh, then we realized that we were both garage guys, and that we had been playing for fifty years. So it made sense to have an anniversary album. And so we took uh, seven or eight cuts from uh, Whalers and Ventures, plus a few that we did together, and we made that, that album. Uh, it's a great CD. It really is. And there's uh, talk about a volume two on that. Oh, great. Uh, excellent. Um, speaking of 50 years, what I wanted to ask you is... Uh, Musical technology in instruments and in amplification, everything that you need to play, recording that you need to play a gig, has changed a lot in 50 years. Um, What do you appreciate about new technology for you as a musician now, as opposed to what you were starting out with, you know, 50 years ago? Is there things that you like about the new technology um, for playing? And also, is there things that you like from the sound and the feel of the instruments you had 50 years ago that can't be duplicated now? Well, the answer to that is yes to, <laughs> uh, to everything. Uh, the, uh, of course, in the recording end, it's very nice to be able to cut and paste and, and do all that and overdub and tune up a sour note and all this technology they can do today but they can't capture the uh, acoustic sounds that we used to get i mean we recorded tall cohen on that whole first album one take one take in the middle of the night wow and the knights of columbus hall in lakewood the guy flew out with a ampex two track i guess it was put one microphone in the middle of the dance floor about 12 feet up in the air and pointed it at the stage. And we had our own little PA system, those big old cones that we used to use. (laughs) And he said, okay, play. And we played Tall Coolin', and he went, okay, play something else. (laughs) And we we played a half a dozen songs, Roadrunner, Tall Coolin', Dirty Robber, Lucille. One take, all of them. And that became our album. Amazing. So, yeah. And then we recorded, of course, with uh, uh, Bill Wiley, who is, we found out later is also a legend in, in Nashville. And he was the guy that was 
piecing together two different machines and syncing them together. And so that's where we cut out of our tree and the sonics boom and all that. So, yes, there's an advantage to the old style, or the old tools. A lot harder to get it on wax, uh, but and then there's an advantage of the new stuff, you know. So um, you just have to kind of flow with it. It makes it easier when you want to get prolific and put out a bunch of albums with the new stuff. You can whack them out like crazy and then go back and fix them if there's something that needs fixing then. So, I don't know. I like them both. Well, I want to remind everybody that on June 26th, you'll have an opportunity to see the Whalers, and that will be in Issaquah, and it's a fundraiser event. And uh, we'll have information about that on our website. And that's June 26th in Issaquah. And do you have any uh, plans in the future? We talked about some recording ideas. We talked about this, uh, the new concept for the Whalers and all these things. Uh, it sounds like you guys aren't slowing down. No, we figure why not. <laughs> uh, in fact, we're going to do something I've been trying to get done for 40 years, and that's a, uh, a duet album between Gail Harris and myself. And uh, she finally agreed to do it. So Great. here we go. I just have to say uh, I was listening to the Live at the Castle uh, on the way over today, and... Uh, um, listening to Ms. Harris, uh, and I believe the song is, uh, I'll cry. I just had it in my all, head. All I could do was cry. All I could do was cry. Uh, no pun intended, but talk about a lady that could wail. Yeah. That is just an unbelievable performance on that. Yeah. That's why everybody loved her. Yeah. Well, we got to wrap this up, but I, I just have two quick questions before we head out. And Kent, I, again, I can't thank you enough for thank this you. opportunity to come and chat with you. We could go on all day. It's, you, there's so much that we would love to learn from you. And, and I hope you get that, this concept, this production put together. I will be the first ones there. I think it's be good for Tacoma. It's good for the South Sound. It's good for the Northwest. Right. And uh, we can't thank you enough for all the things that you've done to contribute to the music not just of the Northwest, but of the world. You guys set a lot of things in motion, and it all started right here, and uh, we certainly appreciate that. I'm just curious, in, from the beginning to now, if you look back, there's a lot of things that have happened. Uh, two things, favorite moment, and have any regrets? Well, favorite moment, I have a picture of us on Dick Clark's show on Bandstand, and I'm looking out over the uh, peanut gallery, checking out all the chicks. <laughs> and and I, I never forgot that picture because in my mind I was saying, boy, was this easy? I'm going to retire before I'm 21. <laughs> Little did I know. Mm -hmm. Still kicking around. Uh, regrets? Well, we have lots of regrets. We had, like I told you earlier, the Whalers have had so many major opportunities come our way. Ahmed Erdogan wanted to take us over our etiquette records at one time, and we told him, nah, we don't, we're going to Hollywood. <laughs> so, but uh, it's a lot of things like that. Things could have gone one way or another, but, you know, I don't, I don't really regret it because had we become 
the Beatles then. I may not be alive, for all I know. And we see what where a lot of these groups went down the road with drugs and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you don't, you know, I don't really regret any of it. We've had a great time. Well, I hope you know that you are absolutely appreciated. And uh, a lot of people out there do know the history. And uh, they know that you set the wheels in motion. Uh, also want you to know that we're all proud to be South Sound guys. We're garage guys with our show here. Uh, we feel a kinship with you guys. We look up to you and can't thank you enough for all your contributions. Kent, my last question is, um, is there or has there been any organized effort to petition uh, locally and then hopefully more on a national level uh, to get the fabulous whalers into the rock and roll hall of fame. And if there was some, some type of organized uh, grassroots movement done in the right way, would that be something that you and the whalers would be behind? Oh yeah. Not only us, but we feel like the Sonics belong there as well. Mark, the one that got the um, ventures in the hall of fame. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mark Hunt. Uh, he's he was on KBSG the the old yeah. station yeah <laughs> but anyway uh, yeah there's always been talk about that being a project in the future maybe after we make a little noise if we can mm -hmm. um, there's just uh, I mean we were we were very flabbergasted that the ventures were not in the Hall of Fame 20 years ago yeah I mean for all the stuff that they've done. But they finally got in, and uh, I've been to the Hall of Fame in Cleveland, and I know one of the, the director there. And there's no reason why we've accomplished as much as many of the people that are in that uh, Hall of Fame. And it's just a feather in your cap is all. Right. Well, I believe it's something that's long overdue, and I just wanted to mention uh, uh, I'm a fan of the two local girls uh, from uh, – from the Seattle area heart and off of their website, they had a petition that you could sign that uh, petitions the rock and roll hall of fame for the consideration. So uh, hopefully maybe something like that could um, be developed off of a link or a website and maybe things could get going that way. But I, I'm totally behind yeah, we, it. And I think a lot of other people in. are for sure. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, we'll let you in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're on it. Kent, thank you so much. We really appreciate it, sir. All right. Thank you for showing up. All right. Thanks, Kent. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kent. We really want to uh, just say that our thoughts and our prayers are with you in your recovery. Absolutely. And we can't wait to get out there and watch you doing your thing again. Yeah. We'll, we will be looking forward to seeing him. And, yeah. Uh, that was a big deal for us. And I hope everybody enjoyed that. And just listen to... His stories, that is true history in Northwest rock and roll, and rock and roll in general, man. Those guys were pioneers. Keep what going. I really liked about it is after we did the interview, he went out and showed us his uh, Cadillac He Mexico. did not go out with us. Well, he uh, sent us out so we could go <laughs> look at the Cadillac. Which was too. nice. That he it was a to do great that. car. That Cadillac like, is, the, is the greatest Cadillac of all time. Yes. Right. I, I I've never seen anything it. like it. It is amazing. It is so cool. It is... It, just 
painted by Teddy Haggerty, and uh, they had the bullhorn on the on the front like the old uh, Blues, Blues Brother. Yeah, the Blues Brother, and they, and inside they had you know the walkie-talkie where you could you know make announcements, make announcements, and you know one night and one night only <laughs> the fabulous Whalers. You know that's what that. And we're trying to, we're hoping we can get that into the yeah, museum. You're going to see that car. And there's a chance that uh, it might be at our car show. Yeah, that would so, be very. That would nice. be very cool. We'll keep you guys informed yeah, on that. Keep so thank getting you. Better. Keep, thank. Oh, sorry. You go, first. Go ahead. Keep getting better, Kent. We yeah. really appreciate it. It was very nice of you. <laughs> thank you, Kent. Yeah, we appreciate it. All right. Hey, this week in uh, music history. Now here's a doctor of rock himself, Big Joe, with this week in music history. Well, those are the sounds of the uh, legendary Paul McCartney. And this week in music history has a little bit of a Northwest connection. In the June 2nd, 1976, Paul McCartney and Wings set a new world record attendance uh, record. Did I say record twice? I think yes. I did. For an indoor performance. <laughs> for an indoor performance. It was a record record. It was a big record. Uh as 67,100 Northwest fans saw Wings perform in arguably the best of all the Seattle Kingdom shows, which was also the first show in the Kingdom. Had to be better than the Stones because that sucked. Yeah, well, but- though, everybody's always said that that first show with Wings, Paul McCartney, and in fact, they filmed that show, made a, uh, a concert video out of it, and uh, I know people that went. I unfortunately did not, but they said it was a great show. So Great. All right. Well, thanks, Big Joe, for that. That's This Week in Music History. As always, stellar job, my man. All right, hey, it's time for us to get out of here. It's been a big show. But again, before we leave, uh, and this will be the last time we mention it, obviously, <laughs> on our podcast, June 5th at the Stonegate, 5419 South Tacoma Way. Everything starts at 8. It goes till the wee hours. And uh, we have every band is stellar and every band will be different. And you want to come early, hear the Midnight Salvage Company. They're great. All yes. the way through the night, and then stick around for Beat Seed because we have uh, <laughs> that's going to be a crazy time. That's kind of the after party show, and we got lots of surprises for that. And we're all going to have a great time. You it's guys, gonna, you going to be there? Uh, of course, I'm going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, everybody show up. Don't make us have Double D come and uh, bring you there and uh, you know drag you to the site. Yeah, and he'll, again, he'll do it. And again, it's not about us. We don't care if you're coming to see us, but if you if you're there, come up and say hi, shake hands. You know, we'd like to just uh, at least fist bump. Yeah, see you and say thanks Chest for coming. Bump. This is more about you guys. We're all a community, the Northwest Convergence Zone. It's all encompassing, and we just really appreciate the fact that you guys take time out to log in and listen. I know it's an effort, and again, we've said this before. There are lots of entertainment options out there, and the fact that you give us some time in your day and your week, we super appreciate That's that. Right. We're so, all in it together. Yeah. All right. That's so the point. Uh, this is Big D. and uh, This is Big Joe, the Rockter J. This is Double D. And this has been the Northwest Convergence Zone Show. Where all things come together. Let's get out of here with the Midnight Salvage Company boys doing an in-studio song. They'll be playing on the 5th. We'll see you there, guys. And the float's in Purdy. Oh, thanks, man. I was lost. <laughs> Send me in to get my money back And I came back empty-handed 
She slaps that 410 out of my hand And she decided she'd pick up the slack Well, she crashed through the pond, shot door like a bull. She grabbed Tom behind the counter, his collar was in her fist. She gave two options he could pick from, and only one had his interest. Well, I tried to warn him, he thought he could stole all the kids. And I give it to him, he did, he did, yes he did. And Lita don't care for your problems. She has no time for sympathy. If you told her she was heartless, she'd say, oh please, oh please, but oh please, oh please. If the old man ever steps out of line Well, she'll set him straight real fast She tell me, son, don't you be out late tonight And make sure you get yourself home all time She's tougher than any cowboy And she's meaner than any old damn dog And Lita don't care for your problems She has no time for sympathy If you told her she was heartless She'd say, oh, please, oh, please, but oh, please, oh, please. Anita don't care what's on your mind. She don't have the time. With her long red hair, she's moving. She's moving all down the line. And she's moving all down the line. And Lita don't care for your problems She has no time for sympathy If you told her she was heartless She'd say, oh please, oh please But oh please, oh please But oh please, oh please But oh please, oh please This has been a production of the Northwest Convergence Zone. Email us at nwconvergencezone at gmail.com.